Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back to the Blitz Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gallo. And as usual, I know this we have the most boring intro outside of the music, I think. But as usual, joined by my trusty sidekick, partner in crime, etc., 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 Mr. Harley Schultz. How's it going, Harley? Oh, sorry, Steve. I was busy uh, scarfing down a, a little bit extra stuffing here. So uh, what's up? You know what? I actually thought you were frozen. That was not funny. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, I'm going to probably feel frozen after I eat this pile of stuffing and these uh, two giant turkey breasts and the jellied cranberry sauce in the can and mashed potatoes and sweet potato casserole. And I hate you. Right oh, now. yum. I hate you right now. You know I'm on a diet, right? I've been on a diet the first ever in my entire life since like the midpoint roughly of October. Well, the goal mm-hmm. of losing about 15 pounds. I wanted to get down to 175. I am at 176.3, and I am going to do whatever I can to get there before Thursday because I am going to have my Thanksgiving Day dinner. Well, you know what? There's always tofurkey, too. Not for this guy. <laughs> All right, so we got a short week. It just seems shorter because of Thanksgiving being on Thursday, and there's three games instead of just one. Um, so... And it does, you know, we'll have to look at our DFS slates a little bit differently. I think what we'll do is we'll jump into the news and we'll jump into DFS and maybe we'll give people some Thursday picks and then some rest of the slate type picks. What do you think? Well, you know what? I'm always down for an extra helping. There you go. Well, before we get into any kind of extra helpings, even dessert, we need to do the news. So I'm going to throw it over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's Blitzed Podcast News. Thank you, Steve. Rookie Nathan Peterman had an auspicious debut this past Sunday, throwing five interceptions in one half of football before being replaced by former quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Following the game, Buffalo head coach Sean McDermott said that he was still evaluating who would be under center for the Bills in Week 12. Guess what, Sean? Your boss is also still evaluating if you'll be the coach in Week 12. Monday morning, both Terrell Pryor and Chris Thompson were placed on IR by the Washington Redskins. Thompson's loss, paired with Rob Kelly going on IR last week, leaves Samaje Pirine as the only option in the Washington running game. Pirine looked the part this past weekend, and he should be a favorable play going forward. As for Pryor, didn't he go on IR like 10 weeks ago? Sterling Shepard missed Sunday's game after coming down with a case of McAdoo flu. Saturday, he awoke Sunday complaining of migraines, and the team listed him as inactive. I'm not surprised that he would come down with an illness like this. I get sick just watching the Giants play. Imagine how tough it must be to actually have to suit up for them. Jameis Winston, who is already on the shelf with a shoulder injury, was the subject of an accusation of sexual assault on an Uber driver. Following the league's crackdown on Ezekiel Elliott, Winston will need to be suspended for at least six games in order to remain committed to the league's punishment schedule. Of course, just like Elliott, Winston is denying that the assault ever occurred. Now, I rarely use rideshare programs, but I guess I need to make sure that I never give an Uber driver a bad rating. Who knows what sort of allegation they'll level against me. (laughs) And finally, in an amazing turn of events, the New York Giants did not allow a tight end touchdown last week. In related news, during the afternoon slate of games, I put the finishing touches on an apocalyptic fallout shelter in my backyard. This has been your BPN News Update. 
Yeah, but they still gave up a boatload of fantasy points without the touchdown, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> so, I don't know. But, yeah, hey, all, all good things must come to an end. Don't worry. There's still the rest of the season to take advantage of them. Um, yeah, it was kind of a tough weekend for tight ends in general, though. Yeah, I think a lot of people expected some points from Kelsey, some points from Ertz. Uh, they both got yardage, but neither one really uh, put put the uh, biscuit in the basket, so to speak. Yeah, and I think there was like, what, two or three um, touchdowns by tight ends that were overturned. I think Charles Clay had one, Fasano, there's somebody else that's escaping me. Um, but yeah, tight ends don't need to have touchdowns called back, but that's what's happened, so it is what it is. Um, how about we do what it is, and get into the DFS side of things. Sounds good. Uh, I assume you want to start with something other than tight ends, though. Absolutely. But first, before we start, all right, we're going to do Turkey Day. I'm not going to put a number on how many we're going to get get right this time. Well, you know what? With Turkey Day, it's a smaller slate of games. Yeah, and it wouldn't be I, I would like to say that I personally am thankful for Turkey Day because uh, uh, fan ball a couple of years ago, Turkey Day was one of my largest wins of all time on, on DFS. Uh, again, smaller slate, you're going to have fewer possible combinations of players. So if you identify those key players that are going to be the heart of your roster and then kind of build around them, you can make less lineups and, and be able to compete against the people who have 200-plus uh, lineups a lot easier because you're not going to see a guy like Ricky Seals-Jones uh, on, on a roster scoring touchdowns for another team on Turkey Day because there's just not that many people to choose from. That's... Yeah, you're right. So I guess I should... Ricky Seals-Jones, who was owned uh, on 0.1% of uh, teams in the DraftKings Millionaire last week. <laughs> there you go. Um, I guess I should say, we've got the Falcons game. I've got the Falcons game on the background. I need Julio to score less than 10 points. Um, tick less than 9.5 would be great. So if you hear me let out some large, really bad scream, you'll know what it is. Just going to lay that out there real quick before we go. Um well, so we won't lay out a number for Turkey Day, but we will do so when we get to the regular slate. So, but I'll let you start with Turkey Day. Who, you, who are you going to pay up for on Thanksgiving? Who are you going to be thankful for at quarterback? Well, I'm going to be thankful for Kirk Cousins going up against the Giants. Now, prior to facing Kansas City last week, the Giants' defense appeared to have given up. They'd given up 16 passing touchdowns over their prior six contests. And I'm not going to really give the Giants' defense credit for successfully shutting down Kansas City last week. I give most of that credit to Andy Reid. Okay, well, guess what? We start off, boom, boom, boom. Ding, ding, ding. I had Mr. Cousins also. Shorter slate's going to be pretty easy now. Uh, let's see if we can make it two for two here. I'm staying away from Matthew Stafford versus Minnesota. Minnesota has allowed zero or one passing touchdown in each of their last seven games. This included a 209-yard, one-TD performance by Stafford back in week four. So, yeah, there's a bunch of guys on the slate that I stay, I'm staying away from. Um, that whole game's one I would want to stay away from. But I'm going to stay away from Dak Prescott because of the unknown at this point. We don't know if Tyron Smith is going to be back, and if he's not... I'm sorry, Dak doesn't look comfortable back there. And guess what? Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, they're not going to make it any easier for him. So I'm going to avoid Dak. So we're in, a, we're in disagreement, but we're not. I agree. I'd stay away from Stafford, too. But Dak's my pick. I, I actually gave a red-letter grade to both Dak and Stafford. I just thought Stafford's was a little bit less likely. I actually think that Dak might sneak in a touchdown this week. So now here's what I'm going to say, too. The next, we're supposed to give value plays. I don't see value plays on this slate because it's so short. Um, but if you've got a couple guys that you feel are better just because they're a little bit cheaper, I'll let you add well, that. I didn't go ahead and pick any value plays. Well, there's there's two possibilities, and that's Case Keenum and Eli Manning. I actually like them both. Uh, I will actually probably have more shares of the two of them than I will of Kirk Cousins uh, just because Kirk Cousins' price tag is so high, and I want to save some of my higher bucks for the running back position this, uh, this slate. Uh, Eli Manning... Uh, has probably the better matchup going against Washington. Washington's got about 12 passing touchdowns over their last five games. And at that price, you can easily afford to build around Manning. Okay, fair enough. Let's move to running back. Who are we paying up for at running back? 
Well, I'm going to pay up for the L train. Latavius Murray uh, going into Detroit. Detroit has allowed seven running back touchdowns over their last five games. They've been gashed up the middle uh, since they lost their big defensive tackle three weeks ago. And uh, I I think that of the higher-priced guys, there's a couple that everyone's going to have. Because of the shorter pack, everyone's going to have Melvin Gordon on their team. So I didn't go so far as to say Melvin Gordon because we're all going to have him anyways. Yep. Um, You know what? I agree with you on this one. I did give consideration to a guy because I said I wasn't going to pick any values. I did give some consideration to Orlean Starkwell, believe it or not. I actually gave him a green rating, too, for this week's uh, uh, Thursday Dominator. Uh, I do agree with him as a good, solid play if you don't go with Murray. Or on DraftKings, you can use him as your flex play. Again, take advantage of the fact that uh, Washington is just mediocre against uh, running backs as well. Okay. Um, So who are you going to stay away from? Stay away uh, again. I'm going against uh, Detroit here by staying away from Amir Abdullah, uh, trying to run against Minnesota. Now Abdullah fared pretty well against Minnesota back in Week Four, but since then Minnesota has allowed exactly one touchdown to a running back since Week Four. Yep. So I put down just about everyone else. I'm staying away from. I don't like Rod Smith. I don't like Theoretic. I don't like Abdullah. I don't like Eckler. I'll be honest with you. I'm not really in love with Alfred Morris either this week. Um, I don't trust Jarek McKinnon. P. Ryan scares me a little bit against the Giants. So, yeah, take your pick. Listen to Harley. I, I've just I was going to say, I do like. Uh, I do actually like Alfred Morris this week. Uh, Chargers can definitely be run on, uh, especially up the middle. So he, he's one of those guys, uh, again, if I don't take Murray, I might take uh, take him. I, I like P. Ryan, but I'm not going to play him this week just because his price tag is a little higher. Yeah than the second-tier guys on the short slate. And I want to still be able to keep uh, Melvin Gordon in all my laps. Uh, the one value play I would say is maybe Rod Smith. Now, I talked about the Chargers being allowed to be gashed up the middle. They did also allow some uh, wide receiver-type uh, action. From, I'm sorry, not wide receiver, but they allowed some receptions from uh, opposing running backs, too, and that's where Rod Smith comes into play. Last week, McCoy scored through the air against them. Uh, they're giving up 173 combo yards per game to the position. About uh, 30% of that is reception yardage. So, again, if you really want to dive to the bottom of the barrel, maybe throw Rod Smith in there at a flex spot or put him as your second running back if you want some contrarianness to uh, go against Alfred Morris, particularly if you think the game strip's going to go backwards and uh, the Chargers are going to jump out to a big league, in which case uh, Prescott's going to have to throw the ball, and Prescott's going to have to throw the ball. It's going to be the throwing it to uh, with Rod Smith in there because Alfred Morris doesn't catch passes. I believe that they had zero catches between all running backs this past week for um, Dallas against the Eagles. But I agree with you. I think that's why I don't like Alf. I think that the game script is going to go sideways for him, and that's what I don't like about it. So, All right, let's move on. Let's go to wide receiver. Who do you like at wide receiver as a payup? A pay up for Stefan Diggs at Detroit. In three career starts versus the Lions, Diggs is averaging eight catches for 95 yards. He did score in his second career start against them. Now, I also like his running mate, Adam Thielen, but I think that the uh, NFL is starting to realize that Adam Thielen is a very, very good wide receiver. Uh, he's currently leading the NFC, uh, second in the NFC, in yardage after a big performance this past week. And I would not be surprised if Darius Slay gets assigned to shadow Thielen throughout the game. And I'm not going to jump up to who I'm staying away from, but I am going to say that Diggs isn't my payout play, but I am going to double down on Keenan Allen to keep it rolling this week. I almost went with Keenan Allen. I just thought, again, that that's one of those ones where I think he's going to be in every single lineup. So True. I can see that. Um, I'll tell you who my stay away is. It's Adam Thielen. For that same exact reason. It's not that I don't love the talent. I do worry about Slay. I actually think that this could be a lower scoring game than what anybody realizes also. So that, that makes that made me want to say I want to stay away from Thielen and Diggs. And, and there's a whole bunch of other guys I want to stay away from this weekend. But um, Thielen was who I decided I was going to stay away from. Because I think people want to chase just how good he's been. And, and I'm sorry, Slay just scares me enough. Well, I'm going to stay away from a receiver in that game as well. Uh I'll probably have a little bit of exposure to Thielen. I, again, I don't love him. I, I, I'm in the same boat. I think that Slay is going to cover him. But I'm going to stay away from Marvin Jones because Marvin Jones will be assigned uh, Xavier Rhodes to cover him, and that's uh, basically begging him to get a line of one catch for 13 yards. Kiss, kiss of death, absolutely. 
Okay, who's the value play for you? The, the value play, uh, a very deep play, is Tavares King versus Washington. Washington has been beaten by speed wide receivers lately. Adam Thielen, eight, one, eight catches, 166 yards and a touchdown. Doug Baldwin, seven catches, 108 yards and a touchdown. Last week, Ted Ginn, six catches, 87 yards. Uh, Tavares King is the speed option there. We're assuming Sterling Sharp, uh, Sterling Sharp, Sterling Shepard will be back this week, which means that he will probably be covered by Josh Norman at least part of the time. I know he does play a lot out of the slot. Right. When he's in the slot, Norman won't cover him. But uh, uh, King, uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, Norman was covering Thielen for part of the game, and Thielen still burned past him a couple times. So it's it's not exactly a Norm, – Norman's not the scary threat he used to be. Yeah, I think he's still not 100% back from that injury. Honestly, it takes a little bit to get back. So, um, But, yeah, so, okay, no no value play from me. Let's go to tight end. Who are you paying up for? I, I think we're probably going to be in consensus on this one. Uh, I'm going to pay up for Evan Ingram versus Washington. Um, I know that's meant to surprise you there. Sorry. No, it actually, actually, it did surprise me because that's not who I have. That's not. Who I, I knew. I knew it would be who you have. I, I just wanted to see if I could surprise you there. Uh, five teams have topped ninety yards with their tight ends versus Washington. They have a lot of tight end touchdown in six of their last eight games. So again, I'm playing. I'm paying up for Evan Ingram. His salary commands it. Uh, well, obviously, I, I know where you're going to go with this. So, shoot. Antonio Gates. <laughs> no, I'm going for whoever. Yeah, I, know, I know. I'm going for Vernon Davis. If Jordan mm-hmm. Reed's out, if Jordan Reed's active, I'm going Jordan Reed. I to- I totally agree with that. Uh, um, is there someone you're staying away from? Uh, well, actually, let me say this: even if Jordan Reed is inactive this week, there's a chance that he could score a touchdown against the Giants. Yes, that's how bad they are. Um, yeah, who I'm staying away from? I'm staying away from Jason Witten. I just I- I'm going under the assumption that. I don't think they're going to bring um, their left tackle back. Um, and then I believe that they are going to have to be playing from behind, but I don't know if they're going to have that much time to throw the ball. And I just I don't like Witten in this matchup for that price. So I don't want to go with well, a cheap guy, and I didn't want to stay away from Ingram for the reasons you said. So he's the next best option to stay away from. Witten was also my stay-away play here. Uh, Chargers have allowed one tight end touchdown all season. An average of only three and a half catches and 45 yards to the position. Uh, with Witten, he's probably going to be asked to stay in and block more this week. Again, just making him a an iffy play at best, and certainly not one that I'm going to pay that price for. When for fifteen hundred, a thousand more, I can get Baron Davis or pay a little bit more and get Evan Ingram. So now I do have a value play at tight end here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my value play at tight end this week is da da da. Jeremy Sprinkle. <laughs> Come on. You, you know I had to pick on the Giants versus tight end. So is it, think about this. Don't you just want to make Jeremy Sprinkle a thing? Come on. <laughs> Holiday cheer and Sprinkle. I got it. <laughs> I got it. We, we got to get the, uh, the, the Salt Bay meme going for Jeremy Sprinkle here. And uh, let's see if he can score twice in a row. Let's see if he's even active for game day. <laughs> Yeah. If he is, put him in as a value play. The Giants could give up uh, touchdowns, to, like you said, to, to Jordan Reed, even if he didn't suit up. Uh, Logan Paulson, who's on IR, could probably score a touchdown for him this week. <laughs> yes, yes. Niles Paul is active. He's a potential. <laughs> yeah, Niles will probably have two catches for two touchdowns for three yards total probably. But, hey, that's okay. All right, let's get into the regular slate. And now, before we go, we're going to, I'm going to say, what percentage of these picks are we, going to agree, are we going to agree on? Last week, we landed on five, I think, was the number, wasn't it? Or was it six? It was five. Five, I believe, yep. yep. Um, I called five. It's, it's a larger slate this week, so it might be a little more difficult. Uh, from first glance here, I am going to say five again. I'm going to say five. I'm actually going to go with four this time. I was going to say, if anything, I'd take the under here because, again, it is a larger slate. Uh, no teams on by this week. Obviously, we've got the uh, the early games Thursday. We've got the Monday night game. Those aren't included. But uh, one game that is included on the fan ball slate, fan ball, on the fan duel slate, I should say, is Pittsburgh versus Green Bay. And that's where I'm going to pay up at quarterback for quite possibly the best bargain of the week. See, that's, uh, that's 7, a cheap. 
That's a Big cheat. Bet. No, that's a cheat. You know I don't pick that game. You <laughs> know I don't pick those games. Go ahead. Continue. But, but Green Bay couldn't stop Joe Flaccid from throwing the ball. What yeah. are they going to do against Big Ben at home? Now, if you are serious about finding a quarterback on the DraftKings slate, they can roll out there. Uh, Russell Wilson's an easy payup against San Francisco. Russell Wilson. Uh, we haven't seen exactly what he's going to do tonight. I know they've got some offensive line issues once again, uh, Dwayne Brown and whatnot, but uh, it's San Francisco. And, yep. I mean, Green Bay could possibly score in San Francisco. I had that's 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 low. Oh man, Jake, if he hears that, that's he might even actually call in and want to be a part of the show next week. Now, <laughs> um, I had two guys down as my payup, and I scratched one out because he was just a little too high, and I thought it would be a little too chalky, and that was Tom Brady, and Russ is who I had down. So, considering that you tried to pick Ben and cheat, I'm counting that <laughs> as a match. Yes. Uh, as for the player I'm avoiding, this is one I actually think we might agree on. Uh, second week in a row. I'm going to avoid Jared Goff. Nope. Now, uh, Goff, uh, New Orleans has allowed zero or one passing touchdown in six of their last eight games. Uh, after the game last week, Robert Woods was uh, seen with a uh, splint on his shoulder. I suffered some sort of shoulder or upper arm injury. I don't know if we have a full uh, results of that MRI and whatnot on that, but odds are he's probably not going to play next week. If he does, he's not going to be 100%. Uh, do we know the status of Marshawn Lattimore yet? No, we do not. Um, I think that's a big determining factor in whether or not I'm going to play Goff, is if Lattimore is in there for New Orleans, I think that makes Goff completely unplayable. If Lattimore's out, then I would possibly consider Goff in, in what could turn into a shootout. But I have actually have a feeling that that game's going to be a lot lower scoring, kind of like you thought with the yep. Minnesota-Detroit game. Uh, yeah, I could see that. So... I'm going completely against the grain here. There was no way I, I knew we weren't going to agree on this. But I am going to stay away from Carson Wentz this week. Coming off a huge, huge win against a division rival to give them, what, a four-game lead in the division? To come home. Yes. They're going to go home, and they're going to play at home. I just think we see a letdown. And Chicago ranks near the bottom in points allowed to fantasy quarterbacks. So I think there's going to be a lot of chalk on him. And when you couple what I'm expecting from a letdown standpoint, and he, look, he didn't play great in the first half. He was missing, and he looked pretty bad. So I know that he's having an MVP-type caliber season in many people's eyes. This week, at that price, I'm staying away. I can totally agree with that. Uh, my one value play for this week at quarterback is... Blake Bortles going against Arizona. Now, Arizona's gotten scorched recently by secondary wide receivers. And when you look at it, their run defense is absolutely elite. So Leonard Fournette's not going to have much success here in this game. Yeah, Jacksonville is going to be forced to throw the ball. And again, Bortles has got some weapons. Marquise Lee has been fairly good. Uh, Ellen Hearns is going to be out for this game, but... Uh, uh, rookie D.D. Westbrook uh, was targeted six times last week. He's going to be a factor, I think. Uh, they have uh, Keelan, Keelan Cole, I want to say his name is, is who yeah. was the guy who started last week. Yeah. He's looked fairly good this year. Uh, even Julius Thomas could be a potential play this week. Uh, not Julius Thomas, uh, he's in Miami. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, who scored the touchdown last week. Okay. So what I'm going to tell you is I really should have looked at Bortles because he might have been able to be a stack for me later as we continue. Um, but I didn't. I went another way, a very dangerous way, but it's just a matchup that I think is too good to pass up. And I'm going with Andy Dalton. At home, against Cleveland. I, just, I know Cleveland's played better at times defensively, etc., but if there's a I, I just big day for him and, and, him and A.J. Green in my mind. Now, let, let me tell you a little something on Dalton here. I actually like Dalton but he's not going to get a green rating from me this week. Here's why. He's Andy Dalton. <clears throat> That's a good argument. But his price tag is 6000 at DraftKings. His price tag is 7200 on FanDuel. At 6000 you can have Marcus Mariota for 6300 You can have Matt Ryan for $6,400. Uh, you can have Mariota for 7800 and Ryan for 7600 this week. Uh, respectively, on FanDuel. As much as I like Dalton's matchup, I would rather pay 300 more for Mariota 
uh, going up against Indianapolis or Matt Ryan going up against Tampa Bay. I, I can I can feel both those. I want to be a contrarian. I want to be able to say I can't pick Cutler anymore, so I got to go to Dalton. I got to feel. The How about Brock Osweiler against nope, Oakland? Nope, never, never, not, never <laughs> not happening. Sorry, sorry, Brock, not going to happen. All right, so we agreed with one spot there. Let's go running back. Who are you paying up for? I'm going to pay up for Kareem Hunt versus Buffalo. And Buffalo has allowed 692 yards and nine touchdowns to opposing running backs. <coughs> That's not their season numbers. That's the last three games. That's 230 combo yards per game, three touchdowns per game to opposing running backs. It's absurd. Absolutely absurd. It's not getting any better anytime soon. Jimmy Graham touchdown. Jimmy Graham touchdown. Okay. Um, yes, Jimmy Graham just scored. So, not concerned with the lack of fantasy production out of Mr. Hunt lately? Let's put it this way. If his price tag is going to be this low for the first time all year, or at least since uh, week three. So, you got to take advantage of it now. Guess what? I'm not either. He's my pay-to-play also. We're in total agreement. And I think that... He's not chalky. I don't think he's going to be chalky. I no. think there are people that are scared of him for some reason, and they really shouldn't be. But, yeah, I'm all over that, especially with it being in Kansas City. And you know they have to get back and, and get things straight, and how is that going to happen? It's going to happen through the run game first. So we're together on that. Who are you staying away from? Jordan Howard at Philadelphia. Philadelphia's allowed one rushing touchdown since week three. And last week, Dallas – became just the second team all season to top 60 rushing yards against them. So there's not going to be yardage. There's not going to be scores. And realistically, they're going to be playing from behind most of this game. So I don't like Jordan Howard at all. So I had two guys that I was debating between. And one of them was LaShawn McCoy, which I know sounds crazy. Um, The quarterback situation there, the uncertainty between it all, just – I just – it, just something about it makes me not feel good. But you know what? McCoy's still done enough with just limited eight touches, eight carries in a game, to make me say, nah, even if it's in Kansas City, I can't say I'm not going to pay up for him. The other guy, you nailed it. It's Jordan Howard. Yeah, the only other guy I considered here was Leonard Fournette, and we kind of discussed that earlier, that uh, you just can't run against Arizona. It's impossible. So I don't think Jacksonville will even try, I mean, even though their game script is – run the ball with Fournette, run the ball with Fournette, run the ball with Fournette. After about 12 straight carries where they end up with 15 yards, they're going to have to change that up. Yeah, and he's also, I mean, he had 30, he had 30 carries, 30 touches, I should say, last week, right? Mm-hmm. And I still, I'm still not 100% sold that that ankle's good, and, and it worries me a little bit. So, All right, let's go to wide receiver. I'll tell you what, this time I'll How about a value first. play at running back? Oh, th- oh, that's right. We do need value plays, don't we? Mm-hmm. My bad. Yes. All right. There's actually a lot of them this week. So there, there are actually this. There a couple weeks ago, I said I hate the slate. Like everything was bad. There's a lot of goodness this week. There really is. Yeah, this is the week to be contrarian, maybe in some of your picks too, because uh, when you think about when you've got a lot of potential value and a lot of players in games that have high projected lines for points, if you go against the obvious chalk this week you're still likely to produce some points without sacrificing that obvious play like Travis Kelsey last week. So I think I'm going to be slightly contrarian with my value play. My value play is C.J. Anderson. And the reason he's my value play is I like the matchup, but they fired their offensive coordinator, right? Mm -hmm. And they have a new offensive coordinator. And one of the reasons that was given for them – Firing the offensive coordinator was because of the passing game, and, and the coach said, we've, we've run the ball well lately, so I think everybody's going to expect them to find a way to pass the ball a ton and be really effective. No, I think he's going to lean on that running game this week. Heavy. And, and I love C.J. Anderson at that price in this matchup. I, I actually like C.J. Anderson a lot, too. My biggest concern there is I don't know who's going to carry the ball from them. Is it going to be Anderson? Is it going to be Charles? Is it going to be Devontae Booker, who actually out-touched Anderson last week? So it's kind of a hard thing. So instead of choosing a guy that's got a clearly muddled backfield, I'm going to choose a guy that's got a clearly muddled backfield, and that's (laughs) Thomas Rawls at San Francisco. 
San Francisco has allowed 10 touchdowns to opposing running backs this season, just under 180 combo yards per game to the position. Uh, Eddie Lacy, J.D. McKissick, uh, whoever else might carry the ball for them too. Thomas Rawls uh, has been their leading toucher the last two weeks, so I think they at least try to give him the ball. I haven't been watching too closely Seattle's usage of him tonight, but uh, no carries. Well, no carries, of course, because that's how Seattle is. And guess who has three carries and is leading the team in rushing yards right now with three carries? Russell Wilson. No, um, and we are. Hold on a second. Tyler Lockett. Two minutes left in the <laughs> second quarter. In the first quarter, um, a guy named Mike Davis, who's freshly off the practice squad. Oh, they just called him up in the practice squad. He was with uh, San Francisco a couple of years ago. I think I remember. Yep. Played played actually fairly well. Uh, got a chance to start a few games in place of Carlos Hyde. I, I want to say it was 2015. That might be right. But, yeah, he's he's their man right now, so maybe he'll be the play over Rawls if Rawls doesn't play or see the field tonight. If, if that's the case, I'll keep an eye out for Davis tonight. And DFS players, keep an eye out for Davis. See if he even makes the DFS role yeah. roster this week because uh, – uh, if he puts up enough yardage, say he'll automatically be put in there because even Ricky Seals uh, Jones is on the DFS list this week. There you go. All right, let's move to wide receiver, which I'll go first, and I'll see if I can nail your first one of who you're going to pay up for. So go I ahead. Can, so I can say that we've got my four. <laughs> so I looked at a couple guys that I kind of like the matchups for, but then I said, nah, it's going to be this guy. A guy that's probably going to crush my dreams tonight. Give me my second loss of the season. I'm paying up for Julio Jones at home against that abysmal Tampa Bay secondary. Well, I dug up some stats on this because Julio Jones is, in fact, my pay-to-play this week, too. Yes. First off, his price tag is $1,900 cheaper than that of Antonio Brown, who's, again, only available on the FanDuel slate. Uh, Antonio Brown's a decent, a decent play, but, again, 9600 for him. 7,800 on FanDuel to play Julio Jones. You can also play him, of course, on DraftKings. In 10 career games versus Tampa Bay, Julio Jones has averaged seven catches and 111 yards per game against them. Oh, yeah, he also has eight touchdowns in those 10 games. But Julio doesn't score touchdowns. Well, if he's going to, he's going to do it this week. There you go. Yep, I thought that was it. That's why I wanted to go first. I wanted everybody, hey, I said it first. Harley agreed with me this time. Now, four. can we make it five, though, on this stay-away-from player? Um, you know what? I think there's a chance, because I have two. Okay. And that's going to give you an advantage. I will let you go first, then. I'm staying away from the two Oakland wide receivers, Crabtree and Cooper. We so, did not match. Well, I do not want any part of those guys against the Denver <coughs> passing defense. Not at all. Even with all the touchdowns that Denver's pass defense has given up lately? Not at all. Okay. Well... Speaking of teams that don't give up passing touchdowns, I'm going to leave Larry Fitzgerald on the bench going up against Jacksonville. Uh, don't chase the touchdown in the 90 yards from last week. Jacksonville has allowed... Uh, Want to guess how many touchdowns Jacksonville has allowed to wide receivers this year? Um, one. That is correct. Not one last week. Not one in the half. Not one per game. One touchdown all season to wide receivers. And who was that to? I can't remember. That was back in week one. I, <laughs> that almost doesn't count. Exactly. Um, I mean, this Jacksonville pass defense is the best pass defense in the league right now, and it is not close. No, they're playing with swag. That's that's for sure, too. Um, okay, and I can see that. I thought Larry was an easy call. I've said before, not playing anybody against Jacksonville, I'd probably say the same thing for Denver, but I just can't get on Crab and Coop. All right, your value play. I'll give my value play since I'm going first. How's that? Mm-hmm. My value play is a guy that came up about 180-some-odd yards or roughly short of his 200-yard projection <laughs> for his first game out. But I did, I did wait, wobble, waffle. I waffled between two players. I, la- I landed on D.D. Westbrook. I want everybody to know I seriously would have a hard time keeping Josh Gordon <laughs> out of my lineup if he is active in plays this week. I'm not sure if that can happen yet. But if he's active in plays, I'd have a hard time keeping him out. But D.D. Westbrook, I've had him rostered for, I want to say, three weeks, four weeks now, anticipating him coming off and being getting off IR and getting on the field. I think we see him come on in a big way down the stretch. And at his price right now, 
I'm finding a spot for him in the lineup. Well, we didn't pair up on this one, but I would like to say, here's a quick list of about 10 guys that I consider yeah. to be very good value plays this week at wide receiver. Yep. None of whom is going to be my value play of the week, though. Okay. Emmanuel Sanders, Mohamed Sanu, Ted Ginn Jr., Cooper Cup, Corey Davis, Deshaun Jackson, Paul Richardson, D.D. Westbrook, Taylor Gabriel, Deontay Thompson, Dontrell Inman, and Dante Moncrief. Now, the player I'm actually taking as my value play of the week, uh, I was going to originally go with Marquise Goodwin against Seattle because people will still assume that Seattle's got a decent secondary despite all their injuries. But I decided to go a little bit safer and take Richard Matthews at Indianapolis. Now, number one wide receivers have scored in three of the last four weeks versus Indy. In three games with Tennessee versus Indianapolis, Matthews is averaging six catches and 76 yards. That's just about the production you need from him this week to reach triple value on both slates. Now, obviously, you'd like to see a touchdown from him. He is the guy who's been the primary catcher. I think Corey Davis is probably going to steal some of those red zone looks from him as he gets more comfortable with Marcus Mariota. But for the time being... Mariota's comfort level is highest with Matthews, making him a great play at only 5,100 on DraftKings. Okay. That's hard to disagree with. And I have a feeling we're going to get your number five in the tight end section. Oh, okay. So do you want to lead <laughs> off or do you want me to lead off? I'm going to pay up for Jared Cook versus Denver. Ooh. Denver has allowed a tight end touchdown in four straight and seven of nine. See, now you should have known you were against the against the – the, the grain there because Jared's just too cheap for me to say he's somebody I'm paying up for. So I'm actually going to pay up for Gronkowski this week. Yes. He's sub $7,000, which is amazing in and of itself. Um, he's at home against a Miami team that's just people at the end of the year are going to say, how did they win four games? How? Um, yeah, Brady's on fire. He's in a zone. Um, something like 50 touchdowns, four interceptions or so in his last 22 games since coming back from suspension. Um, Gronk scores twice this week, at least. You know, I, I gave him a green rating this week as well. There's actually a lot of tight ends in that higher price tag range I like. But there's two tight ends in particular in the higher price range that I don't like this week. This is Those are two guys that we uh, <coughs> both loved a lot last week, and that's Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz neither of whom I'm going to have in any lineup this week. Okay, now, I'm going to tell you this. I have one of those as my do not play, okay, as I'm not paying up for. You have to figure out which one. You've got to give one, and we'll see if we – and I'll hold up the paper so you can okay. see it. The, the one I'm going to avoid this week is Zach Ertz versus Chicago. No team has topped – I can't read it from here. It says Ertz. Okay. Zach Ertz versus Chicago. No team has topped 60 yards with their tight ends since back in week one. And only one team since week one has gotten a touchdown out of their tight ends against Chicago. Chicago's, as we talked a little earlier, their pass defense is better than one might think. And they've been particularly stingy against tight ends. And again, I said, I think we see a little bit of a hangover this week. And I don't know that he's 100% back from that hamstring. So I could see him not being as productive when you factor all that stuff in. So there you go. You got five. We agreed on five. Let's see if we can get six by going into our value play. I think we will. Well, you know what? I I think we will, uh, but there's actually some question marks in regard to my particular pick for pick six here. So uh, the player I'm choosing is Tyler Croft versus Cleveland. Got it. The Browns have allowed eight tight end touchdowns this season, including scores in three straight games. And back in week four, they gave up two touchdowns to Croft. Now, this comes all with the caveat that Croft did hurt his hand last week. There's a chance that he might not play. If he doesn't, C.J. Ozuma is league minimum on both sites. And he's a great plug-in for, again, bare minimum if you want to pay up for some of those high-value wide receivers this week. Well, there you got it. We got six. That's more than last week. I did not see that happening with such a big slate. But, yes, I have Tyler Croft. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that? <laughs> I see that one this time, yes. Okay, yeah, it's right below where it said Ertz. Um, and I'm not happy to have Ertz on my avoid list because 
he's a main cog in one of my teams. Um, but yeah, I like Croft for all those same exact reasons. Plus, it gives me an Andy Dalton Croft value play stack. Now, can you throw uh, Mr. Green in there as well for a uh, triple stack? Actually, I had the first player that I picked as my payup at wide receiver was AJ Green, and then I said, "No, I got to go Julio. I can't avoid Julio." Well, again, and that's really that gives the caveat to the fact that there's so many good values in in the higher price range at wide receiver this week. I agree completely with both Green and Julio as great plays. Uh, Doug Baldwin has got a great play against San Francisco. Tyree Kill should absolutely abuse Buffalo this week. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, again, to take on Tennessee in their awful secondary. Uh, really, the only two players that I don't love this week in the high range are Mike Evans, who I'm guessing will still do okay, but he's not going to do as well as everyone else in that range. Yeah, And then Antonio Brown, who... Again, great matchup, uh, great opportunity to score, but his price tag's so much higher than everyone else's that I don't know he makes up the difference uh, when we expect to see huge numbers out of Jones and Green. Yep. I, I didn't want to like Evans. I didn't want to like Thomas, but I can't hate him. And, and like you, I just think that there's a lot of decent plays there. So it'll actually be interesting to see how some of these tournaments shake out because there are so many good options. Um, you'll probably see somebody that's got 150 lineups win. Well, and that's that's why I, I would recommend at least to our listeners that when you've got a situation like this, obviously the Thursday slate is going to take advantage of uh, the fact that there's lesser possible lineup uh, combinations. So you can make some money on that Thursday slate. For the Sunday slate, you really want to be targeting those uh, single entry contests or the contests that have like a three or a ten entry maximum because, again, there's a lot of decent plays this week. There's, there's a lot of good offensive plays. And, again, like we mentioned earlier, because that's the case, this is the week to avoid the chalk at some of those positions and go out and grab a player who's in a good matchup, but who may not be the, the obvious play. Yep. So, okay, the, the defensive guy in me has to point out that, man, did, like, J.J. Watt, did, or I shouldn't say it, did Adrian Claiborne, like, put on a J.J. Watt suit underneath of his jersey or something because... Six sacks last week. He just ran back a 10-yard fumble um, for a touchdown. So got to give the give props to the guy. I liked him coming out of college. I, he hasn't performed anywhere near what I thought he would. So the last two weeks, it's kind of good to see him starting to come around and, and play well for the Falcons. All right, here's what we're going to do. I don't know if we even teased this earlier. Can I, I can't remember. You have to tell me. Did we tease what other segment we're going to talk about? I think we mentioned it briefly, but uh, well, we'll I, I think that uh, I, it's basically uh, we're past the buys now. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll just—it's going to be fast because we're already at forty-two minutes, almost forty-three minutes. But one of the things I talked to Harley about, um, I said, "Look, I've got an idea this week. I think this is what we should do," and that is, we'll call it um, post-buy roster reconstruction. And what that means is. You don't just fill out a roster or a team and just keep it the same all year long. At different times of the year, you do different things. So by that, what I mean is David Johnson. We'll use him as an example. When he got hurt, people said, what do I do with David Johnson? And I said, if you have an IR, you put him there, and you hope that you can wait for him to come back. If you have a deep bench, you stash him until you can't afford to keep him, meaning if buys get in the way and you're at a point where you can't sacrifice a loss to keep him on your roster, that's when you trade him or cut him. Now we get to the point where buys are gone. You don't need that depth as much. You need to prepare for the playoffs. So back up your key players, right? And if you're not backing up or handcuffing somebody, what else are you going to do? Well, I, I think that that's the key is that you, you want to make sure that all of your important key cogs have their backup in place, have their handcuff in place. There's a reason why your key cogs perform regularly, and that's typically because they're in an offense where they're getting a chance to perform. Now, obviously, an injury to someone like Aaron Rodgers uh, sent the entire Green Bay offense into a state of shambles. But most of the time, if you lose a player, uh, in case of like uh, Zeke Elliott coming out, well, you, you're knowing already that Alfred Morris is going to be an effective running back, assuming that offensive line's intact. Now, obviously, it hasn't been intact. But once Tyron Smith is back, that, that line will be intact. You assume that Morris is going to have good production. 
So you want to have those guys in place as handcuffs on, on your roster. What you don't need right now is a whole bunch of third and fourth receivers or third and fourth running backs. Now, again, during buys, you're forced to start some of these guys because that's, yeah. uh, again, there's fewer teams to choose from, fewer players to choose from. But now you want to maximize your starting lineup, your top eight, your top ten, whatever your league requirements are for who you start, because those are the guys that are going to carry you through the playoffs. So having to make lineup decisions between, say, a Richard Matthews and a Sammy Watkins as your wide receiver three or flex each week isn't as valuable to you as having, say, a Devontae Parker in that slot that you can just roll roll out with every single week. And, of course, he didn't get any catches last week. But <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll give you another good example. I don't. Here's who I don't want on my bench. I don't want Brandon LaFell. Kendall Wright on my bench. I totally do, agree. I do want Sammy Watkins on my bench. I want guys that have extreme upside. Maybe they aren't showing it right now, but I want those guys with that big upside. You'll hear people talking about Josh Gordon, should you, shouldn't you? He's got extreme upside. I know he hasn't played in God knows how long, but it'll be quick and easy to see what he has. So if he's still out there, grab him, and after one week you'll know if he's worth keeping or not. But I just don't want to see those old, tired reliable, for lack of a better word, stable vet types. You need upside. You want to be... Yeah, so in other words, don't roster Randall Cobb. Don't roster Jordan Matthews. Exactly. (laughs) No, and the receiver's an easy one to pick out those types of players at, but that's exactly... Frank Gore. You're right. You don't. It's You want to take a chance on the guys that have the big upside that if something does happen to your guy that, that you're relying on, it's going to be, look, you're going to be screwed more than likely anyway, so you might as well be able to plug somebody with a high upside in versus somebody that's just going to, like, make you die a, a thousand people. That's going cuts. to produce Isaiah Crowell's line. Yes, exactly. What else? Any other advice with? Oh, I do have well, one. Well, and other I, I would say this too. Unless you're in a league that requires or has super flex or requires you to start two quarterbacks, at this point in the season, you can go ahead and drop your second quarterback unless he's extremely, extremely talented. Uh, again, because you've got your quarterback set, you're, you're not going to want to be making decisions between upper echelon quarterbacks in the playoffs. So if you've got a guy like a Matt Ryan and you've got a guy who's performed well, like a Jameis Winston on your team too, uh, you can go ahead and cut Winston at this point. But again, it don't don't keep around a second quarterback just to keep a second quarterback because – when you get into the playoffs, if your quarterback does get hurt, there's going to be enough quality quarterbacks available on the waiver wire that you can pick one up. Again, unless you're in a super flex or a two-quarterback league. I'm going to disagree with you there a little bit, and I'm the quarterback guy, so I thought I was going to be able to sneak this in, and you were going to go, I didn't see that coming. Um, I think this is when a lot of the experts or you know people in the industry, they don't, I don't carry two quarterbacks during the season. I, I stream. I carry one quarterback. That's all I care about. But now, and then you look at those leagues, though, a lot of normal pers- normal people leagues, the average show leagues, people do roster two quarterbacks, and there isn't much on the waiver wire. So what I, want, what I want to do is I want one of two things. I either want to get the backup to the one quarterback I'm going to have so that if he did go down, I have the replacement now, right? I don't have to fight for somebody on the waiver wire, so I don't wind up with Brock Osweiler as my quarterback. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or I am going to try. I'm not going to try and get somebody that's. I'm going to have a hard decision on if I want to start them on a weekly basis to play that game. But at least knowing that if something happened to my quarterback, I'm going to feel comfortable rolling with this guy. Um, as an example, I rostered um, Kirk Cousins, drafted him as the 12th quarterback off the board, I believe, in that expert league. He's the only quarterback I carried all year, with the exception of my bye week. I picked up Jared Goff on waivers. And I'm going to keep both of them. I have no expectation of using Goff in these upcoming weeks with his schedule. But if, God forbid, something happened to Kirk, I should be able to be able to plug Goff in and at least get some production from him. So that's where we differ a little bit. I do think that you want to protect that. You don't want to get to the playoffs and have to turn to the you know, Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, 
<laughs> Nathan Peterman, you know. Type well, I think it, it kind of comes down to to uh, how how your whole season has managed out at quarterback position. Sure. Again, if you, if you go into the season as a zero quarterback person, as uh, I think both of us t- tend to fall into that category, uh, you're going to be doing a lot of mixing and matching qu- quarterbacks during the season. Now, for me, uh, part of that process is at some point during the season, while I'm mixing and matching, hopefully finding that diamond in the rough, discovering that guy who is going to be an effective play caller for me every single week, that that person is the person I can ride with. In which case then, uh, I, I may want to have just, if, if my quarterbacks for the season have been interchangeable each week, and all of a sudden right now I've got Blake Bortles and Jacoby Brissett on my roster, and I look at their schedules, and after this week, Jacoby Brissett's uh, schedule is not that good, but Blake Bortles is. I would just as soon not have to be dealing with the process of making a decision between two mediocre quarterbacks at that point. I see that. The other thing that I definitely think that you have to do, and this is what I think leads more to what you were saying, if you have two guys on your roster that are top 10-ish, top 12-ish, you absolutely need to trade one of them so that you can bolster your lineup somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I just want you to have somebody that's capable should that person go down. But there's Well, no- and I think what, uh, it, it goes back to... Uh, a, an axiom that's been said in the NFL on many different times. If you've got two top 15 quarterbacks, you don't have a top 10 quarterback. Right. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Exactly. But I don't, I don't want to be deciding between Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan or Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford. Pick one. No of them, reason to. Yeah. Get, pick rid, one of, and... get rid of the other one. Find somebody that thinks that they need a better quarterback to try and make the playoffs and find a way to make yourself better with what they have that they'll give you in, in return. And that's where you deal him. So you deal uh, Ryan, you deal your running back, one of your running back threes, and get an upgrade at that running back two position or maybe even a running back one for that combination. Exactly. But just because the waiver wire is thin, bare, and probably picked dry, don't forget just now at this point you don't stop with your roster. Go out there, do some post-buy roster reconstruction, and get ready to run through the playoffs. And you know what we're going to run through? We're going to run through some Twitter handles. Make sure you're following Harley at Nuclear Harley. Follow me at Steve Gallo NFL. Of course, check us out on Twitter um, as well as the show on iTunes. Rate us, review us, do all that wonderful stuff. And as always, especially at Thanksgiving, give thanks. Give thanks. Get blissful responsible. Cheers. Cheers.